0: When we were when we were leaving, uh, you know, moving, you, I, I, we had video on here. We still do. You do. I, I turned my video off. All that. right, I'll I'll turn it off no, if you, you mind. You know, you can turn it off. That's fine. I, I, mean, I don't want to see just myself. Yeah. Well, you get enough of that every day, probably. Mm, all right. You have to. You have to. The. You know. They say. They say. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh absence makes makes the heart grow fonder. So, you know, you gotta stop looking at yourself every now and then so that you you know miss it.
1: Um yeah. I mean that's one of the nice things about video is you spend a lot of time looking at yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was on a video call the other day. Uh and and someone was complaining that I didn't have video turned on. Uh and and I guess is that do people get upset about that if you turn video off? I thought it was normal.
1: So so a friend of mine, uh, maybe a coworker has a, a theory that it's a power move that like, you know, some people will be like, you guys are to turn it off, you know? Cause it puts, puts people on edge a little bit. And they're like, you know, what's going on on that side? You know, we all have our video on, why does that guy not have his video on? Hmm. I, I I don't know. You know, um, I, I spend a lot of time on video chats with, you know, some uh, customers and such and some of them videos are disabled on their laptops. Um, I mean, oh, yes. I, I, I have strong opinions about like lockdown laptops, but video, I mean, what are you going to show pictures of source code over video? I mean,
0: it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, so to be fair, uh, I had not met one of the people we were talking with and I was thinking maybe, maybe that is a thing that like to see someone is better when you're meeting them. I don't know, but I just well, have always turned video off. I, it's, I find really, know, Oh, yeah, yeah. And in fact, like, I wish I could turn other people's video off <laughs> because I find it really distracting to like, uh, like yeah, and, and the, in Skype, it's nice. Well, no one uses Skype, but in Skype, it at least when you uh, unfocus from Skype, there'll be this floating control thing where you can mute and unmute. But uh, Zoom doesn't do that. And so like I always if there's video, I have to like do the thing where like I arrange a window to cover the video, but not the mute button. And so when I unmute it, I can tap it, but then I see their, I see their faces again. And it's mm, very mm. i want to be able to turn everyone's video off. I don't want to see anything.
1: Well, uh, I'm kind of the opposite. I, I, I turn on my video cause, uh, uh, something about, you know, seeing other people makes you stay more engaged and I'm less likely yeah. to like yeah. open Twitter in the background and wander off. Um, yeah, yeah. but, You know, uh, and and if you want video, if, if you can probably still find some people with the unpatched zoom client, you know, just go catch random video of strangers.
0: Mm. Uh, (laughs) What Uh, what was the deal with that? They were running a secret server or something.
1: No, I mean, it's apparently not a completely uncommon practice to have, uh, a, an agent on your box that is listening over a, uh, insecure port where somebody sends a message to that port, it kicks off another application. And, you know, they hadn't, uh, this is my understanding of it, they hadn't properly locked that down where someone could send a URL uh, Mm -hmm. to that agent and force you to join a Zoom against your, you know, knowledge. Uh, I don't know, I I, I don't think the Zoom was hidden in the background or anything, so I think it was just like popping up random Zooms on people's Mm -hmm. machines.
0: Like the Zoom
1: helper. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people uh were able to like, you know, get randos over the internet to to let them in to their Zooms and uh nobody wants that. Yeah. Um I think I think that Apple bug where you could, you know, stealthily call people and start, you know, getting their uh FaceTime I think that was much worse. Um Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because <laughs> it was what, two weeks ago. Um yeah, so uh, you know, this 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 too shall pass, but uh uh, apparently zoom wasn't the only application that had it. Uh, a couple of other messaging apps, um, will use that technique. Um, so, uh, you know, keep your stuff up to date, stay on top of your patches. Uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, one of the other nice zoom tricks I learned while, uh, reading through the settings about making sure I had that disabled, they now have a, a click to talk. Um, so you uh, can, uh, just, you know, uh, mute yourself and hold down the space bar when you're ready to talk. Oh yeah. Hard. Yeah. Is, yeah, because there was like a little cottage industry of you know apps that would I'll do that for you, a you know, little you know two dollar uh, Apple Store apps that would let you like hit the space bar to talk and.
0: Yeah, I you yeah. know I, I I used to have one of those I think and I remember I remember not too long ago I was looking around for that a lot but that would be nice it'd be a lot more trustworthy to know this everything's muted. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm I'm the paranoid guy
1: with the the USB hub with buttons for powering up. Supply so you know mm-hmm. the camera on my laptop's covered. I've got power. Up, I just power off USB things I'm not using. I see.
0: So uh, over here, my tinfoil hat. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. You, you know let, let me let me ask one of my characteristically like naive questions. So so you know you got a, a security problem happens right like yep. you're saying you got an unsecure port on your Zoom nozzle or whatever and and <laughs> like and like uh, presumably once it's found. Uh, some patches applied that fixes the problem right and like well like how come the problem existed in the first place like like Uh, someone like it's look it's right in the name it's an unsecure port (laughs) like like is it is it just is it like is it like most bugs it's like an accident or is it just yeah yeah like what
1: it's 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 a combination of both right i mean somebody somebody was like hey we want to make it easy for people to you know um automatically have you know the zoom client join a a, a zoom session when somebody sends you a url I'm like sounds cool and you know and then nobody realized that like oh well if just some rando sends me a zoom it's going to open on my laptop and start yeah. broadcasting you know yeah. I, I mean That's one of the terrible things, nice things about the internet is uh, people will find a use for every
0: single thing you put out. And I I guess the whole thing is like there's only so much governance you can have if you actually want to release your software. At some point, you've got to be like, I don't know. We've been looking through every every code path for three years. We should probably release this this feature today instead of normalizing everything. Yeah, I
1: I mean, I I don't think... I don't, th- I, I, I would hazard a guess there was never any sort of like dis- d- discussion of security of this, right? It was just kind of like, this is what we're going to do. And somebody's like, sounds cool. You know, nobody like did a code review and they were like, hey, you know, you're using, you know, the wrong port and it needs to be secured and you put the credentials on there. And somebody's was like, hey, let me show you this demo. Check it out. I throw you this URL and, you know, now you and I are in the same Zoom and they're like, ship it. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, a couple months later, somebody's like, hey, check it out. I send this URL to strangers and I can join their Zoom. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then I got on the extreme end, I haven't been on a Windows box in a long time. Actually, uh, I'm up here in Eugene for my sister's wedding. And my stepmother uh, brought this. She bought this, like, $15,000 quilt machine, which is pretty awesome. And, man, I need to take some pictures of the software because it's a study in – not updating your software no oh, no basically it has a windows tablet as like the the computer thing on it and uh it has i don't even remember it has that kind of windows ui that i feel like the turbo pascal ide had where does
1: it, it look like minesweeper or something
0: yes exactly <laughs> exactly. And and like where you could have customized like button images and things and I don't know. It's a very complicated uh, uh, process that it goes through. So the UI is kind of complicated, but at any rate, so that's the last time I used a windows thing actually yesterday. But remember there was some point where they got really into security and they would basically tell you there was a, like always oh. a air window that would be like, if you do this, this may happen. This is uns- right. whatever. And like,
1: do, do you trust this piece of
0: software? You know, yeah. this, it, you
1: know, this piece of software wants to open this port. This
0: one wants to write a file over here. And like, yeah, okay. like, I, I, I don't know, or, or like nowadays it'll happen with uh, you know you get an attachment in Gmail sometimes and it's like mm. well, I can't scan this and you're like, well, should do I not go on with my life? I don't, I don't understand <laughs> what I'm like, doing here.
1: It's a video and it's like it's too big to
0: scan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny that Google has that limit. That's like the new fifty megabyte email uh, like storage limit. Like the it's like basically. I guess it is 25 megs for an attachment, right? That mm-hmm. freaks out.
1: But it, well, and then when things are in like uh, 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 Google, Google file, mail, uh, Google drive. box, drive. Yes. <laughs> Google box. <laughs> um, yeah. When things are in there, you know, uh, cause we, we share like, you know, zoom recordings and meetings every time it's like, it's too big. Yeah. I'm you know, like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. What's the worst that can happen? My video player
0: Now, and and then to and then to top it all off, from what I can tell, the way that most people set up a, a WebEx or a Zoom, like they never put a password on it. So, you know, welcome yep. to the party of just Yeah. <laughs> at, at the, yep. It's just like ultimately it's all like security through obscurity basically when it comes to web conferencing stuff, so really. <laughs> well, and
1: that, that's whatever. why it's, it's such a fertile ground of innovation because <laughs> they're all terrible in their own unique ways. And um, that's why everybody has like a dozen different clients, but you know, here we are in zoom. Um, so, uh, but I noticed also, you, I, I had to wait in the lobby to, to join your zoom. Yeah.
0: Cause when I set up my rooms, I'm like, I don't want just any rando joining. I mean, I don't like they're just going to type, I don't know how you would find. See, I let the randos in yeah uh, yeah so yeah but it's nice then you have to allow people in and mm. that's that's fine it's it is a little annoying uh i guess to do that but whatever and, and so in the security area we uh i think we mentioned uh like w- who is broadcom trying to acquire was it tibco they're trying to acquire someone <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, to fall through it did, oh they semantic um Well, that's who they're trying to acquire now. But wasn't there, there was, there were, or was it? was Qualcomm. Qualcomm, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so, so Broadcom is is kind of transitioning a bit. Like, you remember when, when Intel was like, you know what, this chip stuff, that's great and all, but we're going to go into some software. We're going to buy ourselves a McAfee and, you know, diversify our portfolio. I, I kind of, you know, Broadcom's doing a bit of that where, they like, these chips, these are great and all, but, you know, if we miss a cycle, you know, if we're not on the next iPhone or, you know, the next Samsung phone or something, you know, our, our, we
0: need to diversify. And so,
1: they're they're moving into software. I think they, are they owned by a private equity now?
0: Yeah, I think they, they, they exactly that, or they have a ton of, uh, like, equity money, like, or yeah. something. But, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's basically like uh, trying to be a holding company now. A new CA sort of situation. Oof. <laughs> okay. I mean, yay. Uh, but uh, yeah,
1: so, so Broadcom's trying to buy Symantec. Uh, they got shot down when they tried to buy Qualcomm. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just trying to suck up a lot of different, you know, categories of software. And I guess there's a coherent strategy there.
0: Um, you know, right. some, somebody yeah. is, is, oh, is like, working the M&A strategy. It makes money. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I remember when... That's when, a good strategy. When, when I, you know, in various positions, when I would look at strategy stuff, every, you know, everyone always wants security, like security is great. Like, it seems like a, always a, a good business to be in. And, and yeah, I mean, kind of, uh, adjacent to the conversation we're having earlier, I feel, I feel like most people who don't do security think of security as sort of like, I don't know, uh, like an aftermarket add-on that will just fix everything for you, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's like adding those little sprinkles on top of a cake.
1: <laughs> Whereas really,
0: it's just like, it's it's pretty hard to like do, well, there's only certain types of security you can do kind of afterwards, just like we were saying, right? Like someone just wrote the, uh, they wrote their little server wrong and now that's just bugging it, that's a security problem. But so it, it is, I mean, it doesn't seem like, with very rare exception one would acquire a security company for its functionality to integrate it into your existing thing so right. you're basically just acquiring a business which just means you know it's a business
1: yeah <laughs> like, I, I,
0: I don't think broadcoms
1: yeah i don't think broadcoms looking at semantics saying you know these guys with their uh they've got like a big security saas <laughs> and like how's that going to affect our chips
0: <laughs> yeah. and it, are are there are there that many companies that are like independent companies that only do security?
1: Like, oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I but, think but like a, those.
0: Yeah, there's like Symantec and is McAfee independent now? I think they got spun uh-huh. back out. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's definitely a bunch of them. And um, you know, if you go to, you know, you go to conferences that focus more on uh, like federal or, you know, large enterprises you'll see like a large number of of vendors that you've never heard of probably i mean hmm. maybe you have but you know a large number of vendors that you know you've never heard of and then occasionally you see like you know such and such you know startup raised you know 400 million dollars for security you're like i've never heard of that right yeah, yeah, yeah um there's a lot of money in security and there's pro you know there there's a, a vast number of companies that uh You know, carve out carve out quality niches for themselves and make good money. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess what I was sort of grasping for is is I feel like most security companies have like one product, like they have like one one thing that they do that's usually like a box, and like there's a lot of those. Whereas like a Symantec is sort of oh yeah yeah is like a bunch of stuff yeah yeah (laughs) like like a whole uh, bunch of random not it's not random but it's a whole bunch of diverse things
1: they they have a diverse portfolio of security products Mm -hmm. right probably says that right on
0: their uh, their investor (laughs) relationship yeah and 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 probably
1: the the ca analogy is quite apt because you know they're going to grow by acquisition they're going to be like you know what we're going to just tuck in something over here this one's going to cover you know Endpoint security of iPhones and uh oh, we overlooked Android. Now we got to buy a company that does that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so you know, you slowly aggregate these things, and then you know, you you introduce one product team to another product team, and they're like, you know, hey, you guys are working together now, and they're like, you know, both teams resent you because you acquired them, but uh yeah. You,
0: know. <laughs> you got you got, you got enterprise. Person, you got one team writing in Java, another one's in Go. You you know it. There's this this team you just acquired that doesn't exist anymore and it's all in Ruby. And mm-hmm, you, you, know, mm-hmm. you have no idea what's going on there. Very very secure, no doubt. Yeah. All these different languages. Well, you know, security through diversity. Is that a thing? Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> you know, I and, and I was thinking, you know, speaking of like a CA and a diverse portfolio and all of that, like it's it's it is it is uh I don't know. There's a what's the word I'm looking for? People tend to think that's a bad idea. But then again, if you look at all the public clouds, they basically do everything too. So they have a, a diverse set of offerings. And so yes. really like each of the, each of the big public clouds is, uh, a portfolio company. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> which, yeah. which, uh, which I guess, I guess, you know, that hopefully requires them to hire, uh, an equal amount of developers working on all these services, but it's sort of, I hadn't really thought about that, that the model that, you know, the CA, HP, the, the big four systems management model of just having a bunch of little things like Symantec does. That's exactly what the, uh, the public cloud people do.
1: Well, and, and it's more acute at, at like your, your IBMs and Oracles, right? Where, you know, they still, have, they still have very different products that are part of the same portfolio, but they expect you to consume them the same way. Right. So um, like for Oracle Cloud, for example, you know, you show up and they're like, you know, you're going to need some CRM on that. Right. And they're like, yeah, we got that. And and some, you know, VM management and you're like, well, aren't this this doesn't feel very cloudy. And they're like, you know, just roll with it. Right. And, you know, and then at the end, they're like, and you're going to go talk to a salesperson about that. And you're like, but this is public cloud. Right. I thought, you know, credit cards and, you know, mm. um. I don't know. There's less, uh, you know, there's, there's one brand behind them, but when uh, uh, I'm kind of losing my train of thought, (laughs) but, but, you know, there's definitely um, a different user experience as you jump between these parts of the cloud, right? Yeah.
0: Well, I I think, I think maybe like the traditional uh, uh, we'll call it the big four model because I don't who, want who's it. number four. I always like to hear that. It's uh you know, you you had there I mean there really is no big four anymore, but you used to have BMC C- Oh that four. H-P-A, I'm thinking India. I'm thinking the public cloud four. No, 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 no. I was I was gonna say, so the reason I think people don't like that model, and by people, uh I mean everyone who is a customer of it. Or not everyone, but you know, obviously the company itself likes it. But I think what people think or that they they believe happens, which is to say, it might or might happen, is all these these products eventually get neglected and uh, they don't get updated, and so you're kind of you're kind of the company focus instead of having one thing that they focus on or a smaller amount of things, they have so many things that they lose they lose track of uh, yes. focusing on it, and then it gets compounded because it's in this in the traditional model, it's all on premise software, which just like there must be some formula that shows the complexity of stuff, you know, now, now, instead of obviously in a public cloud instance, you're not like, you don't have one install of something. It's complicated on its own, but like, you know, every single customer has at least one install that has to be cared for and fed. So if you start neglecting it, it just gets to be a mess. And uh, I guess, I guess, you know uh, all the public cloud stuff is young enough. And we assume that for as, as long as possible uh, they will maintain those things. Or they'll be like Google and just shut them down. <laughs> as soon as you said as long as
1: possible, they'll maintain. It's like I'm thinking of Google, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and some of the products they they do get long in the tooth, right? They they start to look a little bit crusty, but because they're SaaS offerings, right? You can come in and and polish them up, and you know keep them. Keep them kind of evergreen, even if they're not getting a lot of new features. Right, they're easier mm-hmm. to rescan. That you know, you don't have to worry about a big install base. You don't have like, oh, well, we have this customer from eight years ago who's running version, you know, twenty, you know, twenty twelve R two. Um, you don't have to worry about that. And and so you know, it's it's the SaaS model with the multiplier, right? Because all the products ideally are using a lot of the same look and feel. It's 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 a more coherent platform or you know product portfolio as opposed to you know a bunch of acquisitions that might have had uis done in different languages where it's harder to bring them together i mean there's a lot of advantages to you know (laughs) this just in a lot of
0: advantages to using public cloud (laughs) breaking news people yeah 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 so so that's I wonder, I wonder if like the, the, the product manager cabal in those companies, you know, if, if they roll up to some like, you know, senior vice president product management, like council, if they, uh, if they think about like, what are we going to do? And like, how do we end of life these things? Like they they must've end of life. I mean, not in the jokey Google way, but like must've end of life, some services here and there, but eventually like, I mean, they'll have to do that at some point (laughs) I guess I guess the other thing well it might just become too expensive to operate and people may not like it I mean it it might be like a business that they don't want to be in like I always thought it was weird that Amazon's in like the virtual desktop business
1: oh but it's uh, you know but those are like lucrative markets and you know they Maybe that's a bad no,
0: So, so I guess, I, I guess. I mean, that, that
1: that's the thing about, about somebody like Amazon is the scale they work at, you know, you might be able to carve out a startup doing VDI or, you know, mm-hmm. as an example, or, you know, endpoint security management and, you know, you go and, and you raise some funding and then you're like, Oh, you know, we're making, you know, $10 million a year. Well, like Amazon's got three or four orders of magnitude number of customers you have. And, you know, the customer, they, even the things that don't seem popular on Amazon probably dwarf a lot of, you know, a lot of the competition of, you know, sasses and stuff. So, yeah. you know, that that's the reason for this existential dread of like, you know, your, uh, um, you know, your cloud eras and and, you know, cloud databases is because like, they might have a great product, they might have their own offering, they might be making a lot of money, but I bet Amazon still makes more money off of their product. Right and you know, competition because
0: volume, you know. as they say. Well, I mean, like for example, there's probably some kind of eucalyptus integration somewhere in one of yeah. these public clouds, and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, do you wanna do you wanna like keep paying some people to like maintain that as 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 a, I would assume the people using it dwindle. Like at some point, some, some of these services would have. You know, instead of having I'm making up numbers, ten thousand customers, they'll have twenty or something, just because yeah. the technology goes out of favor, and like, and and then I mean, it it sort of becomes a liability, one financially, because you have to pay people to maintain it. But then, if you don't pay, pay people to maintain it, like, there's probably some security problems in there or something, right? And then, <sighs> yeah, also it's a liability if people are paying you for it, so they expect something. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the liability of of business
1: (laughs) well you know and and we worked at a place that would acquire products you know other companies and their products and just rename them as like you know version two of something that existed even though they were you know completely different um i think i i would hazard a guess amazon hasn't gotten to that point yet where they have products that are more costly to maintain than to um than than to shut down
0: yeah. Right. I mean, so like, like, like VDI is like the perfect business in that one, the perfect, but it's, uh, I don't think that many people compared to other things buy it. And then the technology, Well, when
1: they do, yeah, yeah,
0: but, <laughs> but, but they buy a lot of it and the technology doesn't really like evolve that much. Like, I don't know, it gets faster or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, and so at, at a certain scale, like minor changes, can be leveraged out onto the the product quite a bit. So you don't need like a horde of people to maintain it. So even if, even if the overall like market for it is small, like it's, you can, it's cheap to be in that. Market. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and, and that's why like, you know, there's, there's a, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in maintaining, you know, software that with a wide deployment base, um, you know, that, <laughs> I think I just described you know the, the business model of a lot of enterprises, where you know they've they've made their they've got their app out there they they've got a you know a large customer base that are happy with the way it works, right? And you don't have to invest a lot um, a lot of calories on innovation as much as just maintaining and staying on top of you know security fixes and yeah. and <clears throat> and that's why you know the, these PE companies will buy up you know what we call, you know, legacy software vendors is because, you know, they're stable income.
0: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think maybe you just, you just answered the question I was going to ask is like, I wonder how historically companies have like signaled or, or directly told like wall street, Hey, we're not a high growth company right <laughs> hey, we're done yeah. let me off the let me off the roller coaster because because you know you in the tech sector like i don't know what the numbers are i'm going to show my naive ignorance but like you know you have to be a high growth company which means 10 to 20% growth every year or something right. like i don't know what google's growth every year or, or microsoft but you have to like grow a lot uh and but at some point like if you're going to be like one of these like holding companies, you you don't. And so somehow you've got to like, well, maybe it's impossible, but somehow you'd want to engineer like, Hey, everybody, we used to be a high growth company. And over the next three years, we're going to not become that. So stop pricing this growth and, you know, our future growth into the share price. Like now we're leveling it out. I guess, I guess you like, I mean, that's a lot of what IBM does sometimes you'll know, pay dividends and do it by have share backs, but like, somehow you have to like signal that you're changing the type of company you are instead right. of being high growth. Cause otherwise, you know, the, it's kind of brutal. But then the other thing of course, is, uh, if you want to shift out of high growth mode, you can just get some private equity people to, uh, to buy you. And as always, I've, it's been a while since I think I've had this complaint, but I never really understand. Like if it's a good deal for PE people, why is it not a good deal for others? But Life just doesn't work out. (laughs) Well, I I think generally
1: the the PE people are recognizing the value of you know a seven percent return. Yeah, and 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 predictable cash flow is actually really nice.
0: Yeah, which 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 is is lower than a high growth company, right? So they're willing to. uh,
1: But but higher than you know lots of other forms of 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 investment,
0: and you know if if and then I guess the dynamics are a lot different because. Essentially, as far as I understand it, this is where where I don't understand whatever kind of econo- economics it is. But like borrowing cash is really cheap, and so it's probably better to borrow a ton of cash to buy a company than to buy stock in the company because yeah. it's, it's like a uh, that kind of loan seems better or something. I don't know. It seems it seems like all this time could be spent just like you know improving the software instead. Of- <laughs> <laughs> you can't can't leave your engineer roots behind you're like yeah well,
1: i don't understand why you spend all this money on making the company attractive to stockholders can't yeah. we just put it back it's like, into engineering
0: yeah just like just like you know maybe if you wrote good software you wouldn't have to think about all this bullshit
1: <laughs> the software just sells itself people
0: uh yeah yeah that's why that's why I, yeah that's so frustrating now yeah. now i'm now i'm not feeling not feeling good well you know you know matt ray yes if you are dealing with a lot of this kind of crazy infrastructure there is something you can do to feel good you want you want to hear about it i, I, I last week I last week uh it was just me with the interview so i did an ad read for the first time it's pretty exhilarating yeah and I think i'm demonstrating why you two do not allow me to do ad read <laughs> go so I'm, I'm gonna keep it short I'm gonna okay. keep it short. all right are you ready this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their application performance monitoring tools, PaperTrail. Diagnosing an application error, a sudden see, error, a sudden spike in event messages, or a customer service ticket, get to the root cause fast with PaperTrail, powerful cloud-based log management designed for engineers by engineers. With PaperTrail, you can streamline troubleshooting with LiveTail to see events in real time or search through hours of logs in a few seconds. That's some good parallelism there. As as you work, you can save searches and create alerts without leaving the event viewer. And there's nothing to install or set up, so you can be up and running in minutes. And now, the brand new integration of PaperTrail with SolarWinds AppOptics brings powerful application performance monitoring and distributed tracing together with log management, enabling you to identify performance and availability issues even faster while significantly reducing MTTR. To learn more try SolarWind's paper trail for free, go to papertrailapp.com slash sdt and make troubleshooting fun. So there you go. Papertrailapp.com slash SDT. Did I do a good job, Matt Ray? You did a very good job. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's not <laughs> like like hours of logs and seconds is not parallelism. That would be like if you had two other things that that hitched to. What what is what is that to go from a uh, uh, cleverly go from a big thing to a small thing? sort of, like there's some name for that kind of thing zoom <laughs> zoom yes very good widen your aperture oh aperture that's a good one. Uh, I yep. I was I was trying to learn as I mentioned a few episodes back more about camera stuff and I think there was hmm. like 2 hours where I had it all in my head and now I have kind of completely forgotten
1: I that that sounds familiar like you know there there are times where I'm like I need to know more about x and then you go and you read a bunch of stuff and you're like I think I got it and then you know you yeah, you know, go go eat dinner or something and you're uh, like what was uh, what was that cameras <laughs> uh, that's 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 good stuff that, well, that's me with hardware hacking i'm like i should know more about how the kernel works oh, and i go in and read read a bunch of stuff i'm like i think i got it and then the
0: next one i'm like what's this computer thing <laughs> yeah kernels that's is that's all written in like c right all the kernel stuff or is it yeah. so, eventually do you, i mean i guess you have to get to some sort of assembly thing at some point right a little a little yeah
1: yeah, I mean I'm I'm not actually reading kernel stuff. I'm 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 hacking around on Raspberry Pis and you know mm-hmm. they that lets you get closer to the hardware, you know, because they've got like jumpers and um you know LEDs and things that you you can poke at. Um but yeah, yeah, you definitely have some uh assembly for some things, uh but usually
0: mm-hmm. it's C. Hmm. Well, it's C++. Also, also in big company news, it looks like yeah. IBM finalized its Red Hat acquisition. Ooh, so that's like through. a billion dollar investment in Linux, right? And there, it's there you get lots of people looking at the kernel, and lots, <laughs> lots, of, lots of kernel stuff happening there. And uh, uh, yep. I think I think there's a very uh, Charles Fitzgerald, Charles Fitzgerald piece, so to speak, where he's he's the for those who don't uh, for who don't uh, know, he does. I think basically the main thing he's known for that he does nowadays is, you know, randomly, uh, not randomly, but uh, (laughs) occasionally like uh, complaining about non-public cloud companies being lame. You know, he's one of those people. Oh, yeah. But he also does, uh, I don't know if it's yearly or quarterly, but he kind of analyzes the CapEx, that big cloud.
1: Oh, yeah. I know this guy. Yeah. Yeah, And
0: and so I think that's kind of one of his, uh, you know, all, all the sort of like, people who have analyst commentary or, or, you know, are on the opinion page of the tech news world, Uh, they generally have like, you know, one to three sort of like uh, things that they do. And that's, that's his thing is like his theory is that, well, it's basically over now, but like you can follow and predict public cloud stuff by CapEx. And so if you look Mm -hmm. at all that capital expenditure, one that kind of predicts what's happening, uh, and it kind of shows how much money is spent but you know if you want to do do the uh the, the cynical side of it it also says like this is the 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 barrier to entry that you have to get over so for example in his analysis in his uh you know coverage of IBM buying Red Hat he uh he basically goes over how much IBM has spent in capex versus the other ones and you know it's 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 a good it's a good reference model for making models <laughs> right like you come up with this kind of like uh, recipe or something and then you can yeah. use it to kind of like test and help prove your argument uh for for uh for the point trying to be made which as he's making here is that ibm not good at public cloud which
1: <laughs> I, that's not that's not unfortunately that's not breaking news but uh, i think he's also a little more pessimistic on the the long-term play of of the uh the merger like mm-hmm. you know like ibm has uh been on a uh, a long decline. I, that's probably a quote in there. And, you know, they, they grabbed Red Hat thinking that this is going to boost them out of what they do, but Red Hat is kind of similar to their mainframe business where, you know, they make a lot of money supporting something that doesn't have a high growth upside.
0: Mm. Um, and oh, that was the other thing he was covering is there was some some weird, uh, it was some earnings call for IBM for a while back, where they were like, "Oh, well, the cloud revenue declined, but if you take out mainframe from it, it actually is doing good." I'm kind of paraphrasing, and I think <laughs> I think, I think the point the point was like, "Wait, what? 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 Why? Why is that in there?" Uh, right. And I think I think the as he covers, I think the explanation was that there are some I don't know if it's hybrid or multi or bursting, but there's some connection between mainframe stuff and cloud stuff, and so therefore. And it is kind of legit. Therefore, you would put that part of mainframe revenue into your cloud revenue bucket, uh, which re- revenue bucketizing is a um, science. <laughs> I was going to call it a black art, but sure. A- science. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you got to make decisions at some point. That's that's a funny thing. Like when when you look into accounting more and more, you're like, oh, people just kind of decided on all these rules. Like uh-huh. some, some of them are obvious, right? Like profit is what you sold it for minus what it cost. Right. And that's the profit. Like that's kind of more or less undeniable, but yeah, all the other stuff, like as far as revenue recognition and like what type of work is what and all this stuff. Well, is- that's why they, they slap
1: the generally account, uh, the gap label mm-hmm. on things, you know, it's like
0: everybody agrees that this is the way we look at this thing. Yeah. You got your all basal, right. your basal f- five, seven accords. Or Ooh. something. I don't. I don't know what that is. I re- I remember. I remember just this. Just like the. Uh, this is like that. That Homer reading the Economist. What, what does he say? Like, oh, the Prime Minister of Malaysia or something. But uh, I, there was several several years back in the Economist. Like every issue was like, when is Basel II going to come out? How will this affect like you know Europe? And I remember reading it and like all things I read about like macroeconomics, like they never actually tell you what the thing is. They just like, it's kind of like when you read about interest rate changes and there's all this like intrigue about, what well, you know what the fed's going to do and like this, that and the other, or there's a jobs report out, but no one, like, I feel like there should be one paragraph where they're like, and this is what it does, right? Like this is how it affects things. But, um, I don't know, it must be not <laughs> for me as I like to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, not my. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy forgetting how cameras work. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> was that was that a was that a ISO or an f stop? Exactly. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they haven't just like reinvented all that stuff, or not reinvented, but like renamed everything for the digital camera era. Because it's like, what what's the name of that? It's not. Is it skew morphism? Where you take like the analog form factor, and right, like, right, space? Yeah, it's just like a weird. It's like audio editing is a little bit of the same thing. Like all the terms you have don't really need to exist. You could just be like, you know, on my camera, like exposure kind of makes sense, but like ISO, that's just such a weird thing. You think you would you would rename it and it would be like because what does ISO do? Is that's like sensitivity? I think. But anyways, well, if, people should come think- through and just rename that or or have an overlay uh, layer eight com- camera computing. Uh,
1: well, and, and that—that's probably the difference between, like, you know, iPhoto and uh, uh, whatever the the fancy Lightroom, you know, fancy Lightroom, right? Mm-hmm. The iPhoto is for people like me who are like, "What does this do? Brighten, okay. Uh, oh, yep. Yeah. How about you know, touch up? Uh, you know, yeah, magic exactly. done, right? And then you know, the the professionals are like, you know, I'm gonna need to, I, I'm gonna need some sliders.
0: Yeah yeah. Uh, I mean I think fig- I figure it's also because the professionals like know what all that stuff is and you Exactly. Yeah. So that's why right. I'm suggesting you have an overlay, right? Like maybe have all the same sliders but it's just like a different words. Like like and then also on a ca- I don't know why I'm talking about this but like also also on a camera every now and then you can turn on like a histogram which is just like Ooh. this bouncing up and down like thing of the, with the light. Yeah yeah the yeah. color yeah and every now and then I look at it, and I'm like you know i'm I'm a pretty imaginative person, like I cannot imagine what the fuck you would do with this thing right? see like,
1: I, yeah, and then that i I took uh multimedia production back when back in our college days, and I learned that the histogram I just grab like one end of it and I slide it to a certain place, and I get the color the mm. the brightness that I want, but also if you hit the auto button, it does the same thing. <laughs>
0: Uh, so yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I've
1: been replaced by
0: software. Well, you know, you know, back, back to the IBM and red hat. Yes. I think, I think, so this is, this is, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll build up this, uh, this myth of the state of the industry in three charts, but I think this is, this is one of the charts more or less. What what do you think of the, again, I'm going to use the word theory, which is sort of like just uh theoretical physics, physics level of just like thinking about stuff. Like, I think there's a strong theory that you see with our Charles Fitzgerald friend. It's basically like, unless you're one of the three public clouds, you're fucked. It's basically, yeah. like, the complete lens, and and I'm, I was going to say his, but the complete lens of this kind of comically posited analysis, the model that you apply to everything is basically that. Uh, and I guess, I guess in previous eras, it was basically unless you're Microsoft, you're fucked, right? Like that basically, there's such a dominant part of of the market in the nineties the and early two thousands that that was the only, the only thing, uh, mm-hmm. but that seems to be um, as I am always fond of pointing out mysteriously from people who are not in the on-premise software business, that seems to be pretty <laughs> much the only way of looking at the industry is it well, just all, it's all going to go to these three things and like Alibaba or whatever.
1: Right. Right. Or yeah. you know, Alibaba or, or, you know, Malaysia. <laughs> Indonesia out Indonesia. Um, y- yeah. I, I think, I think the, the thinking behind that is, you know, previous, you know, previous incarnations of, of software companies, like there was a lot more volatility in how each new wave of technology came to them. Right. So mm-hmm. something could come in and be highly disruptive um, and change like, you know, VMware could come in and disrupt, you know, normal boxes and you know uh somebody could come in with like a big idea that disrupts the status quo but with public clouds they are agile enough to not be caught blindsided by some new wave they're big enough that um shifting away from them is problematic and because they're on this like subscription-based flywheel of arr Right. They they kind of know, like, well, we can invest, you know, one hundred million dollars in this because we know we're going to be making, you know, 30 billion over the next year. Um, We can make big calculated bets like this because it's not a big bet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they're they're very, very defensible monopolies. I mean, you know, there's three of them, but um, they're, they're, they're
0: very defensible. And that, that's that's like some better like uh, mechanics added to the to the theory, and and it kind of goes back to what, what what I was what we were talking about with product management is. I, I see that would be that would it would kind of follow from the theory. So the theory being, if you're not, you got to be one of the big public three cloud people in most business IT, uh, or you're just doomed, right? So like you just you high chance of doom. Uh, and <laughs> well, eventual chance of doom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, know, and that,
1: and, and that's the key, right? Um, these right. companies can be happy to, you know, as long as you're not a public company, you're not going to get punished for being, right, you know, uh, right, right. you know, keeping up at
0: your seven or 8%, you know, growth. And, you and know. then, and then, but then that gets to the thing of, as you were raising, yeah. But like tech companies come and go on 15, 10 year cycles. Right, like new things come about, and and like you know, Apple used to be complete garbage, and now they're like you know, <laughs> the the saint of the world. Yeah,
1: like, well, and, I, w- one of the the links we had in, in the show notes was uh, Bill Gates calling uh, Steve Jobs a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and what, what did Bill Gates say? He was a lesser wizard. He was like a minor, a minor wizard. wizard. Yeah. You know, I'm a minor wizard myself. That's, that's, so that's, I'm, I'm, that's funny. That's a good joke.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like that because I was hoping that there was some sort of, you know, Charlie Strauss uh, uh, in there about like, eh, it turns out, you know, these guys actually are channeling, you know, Cthulhu and, and the, the dark oh. forces. But uh, yeah.
0: and, and so and so it would follow from the, 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 the three, three big cloud theory that they will not be disrupted. Right. right. Because that that cuts it off, which goes back to the CapEx thing. Right. Like the, the theory, the, 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 the Fitzgerald theory being that like this, this wall, this CapEx wall is so huge that it's almost insurmountable, which you see in other industries, like basically telcos. Right. They also have huge CapEx build out um, and they're not as regulated as power companies. So it's a little different. Also, huge CapEx build out in power companies. But yeah, it's not like there's competitors to Comcast. Verizon but 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 that's the thing like there are competitors and
1: Comcast is more vulnerable than Amazon because Comcast has one main thing right it's like they have a bunch of pipe and and subscription base but I can show up and you know I can replace that pipe with wireless I guess I guess guess
0: this so there's actual I mean but you still need build out for wireless right like even though it's wireless to you it has to be Right, but the but but it, it's it's you know an order to magnitude cheaper. Yeah, but I, but I think I think I think what's more, well, at least in my mind, more interesting than what you're saying is the problem with them is going all the way back to one of my favorite things ever: the stupid network is like the telcos, sort of like. I don't know, this would be interesting to study historically, but kind of like stumbled their way into being stupid networks, right? <laughs> like they basically they still own and have built out all of this stuff, but because of whatever part of the layer seven burrito that they don't own, you can just do everything as an you know, they don't you can do Netflix over it or YouTube. So like right, right. the value Wait. is not the network. And so I guess the the way of testing out the uh Fitzgerald uh barrier, if you will, is like so is there are there scenarios in which that kind of thing could happen that basically if you looked at like google amazon and uh and Azure, they still have kind of the same things, but because there's some other way of of layering on top of them that people use, the value of those it commoditizes basically, and so they can still extract like you know telco margins well i don't know but, but
1: yeah, but the difference is when when you try to build something on top of amazon that extracts additional value amazon deploys it too
0: mm. Yeah. Right, so right, right, right. you know comcast and then it's a little different than like entertainment because like well i don't know is it like i feel like a lot of shows in netflix are basically like oh people like detectives just put more, <laughs> put more of that in the machine and, yeah. like, and so i i guess you can i mean this is like a typical like nerd cynical thing but like you know you can have as many police shows as you want. It doesn't really matter. So you can quickly duplicate. Uh, similarly, in this way that Amazon could like duplicate uh, something you're trying to do to run around them, like Comcast and uh, and Netflix can duplicate each other's stuff back and forth. Well, so yeah, Comcast yeah. Stuff, you know. I mean, we were we were watching something on,
1: on Amazon Prime the other day, and my wife was like, "Which website is this? Is this Amazon or Netflix?" And I was like, "Exactly, right? Amazon is doing everything they can to look like Netflix." and give you that same user experience. And, you know, uh, (laughs) Netflix has a,
0: a less defensible, um, business model. It's all about the customer ownership, Matt, customer ownership. You gotta have that man. when, When you get to those kind of like, this is like why I've been suffering mentally, uh, in this area for the past couple of months is like, I keep trying to come back again and again to like, well, what if, uh, you're trying to make IT decisions not on how cheap you can run containers, right? Which is basically, that seems to be what happens nowadays. It's just like, I don't know, I want to run a bunch of containers. How cheap can you make it, right? Yeah. And and it always comes back to these unquantifiable, high-level strategy things like uh, maintain the real customer relationship. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what the fuck to do with that, right? Like, that's that's not... actionable (laughs) and
1: well i i think i I think that actually points out something really well that high touch high quality is harder to scale up Mm. than volume that's good right and 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 so um because because there's always going to be a a segment of the market that you know they're like you know i don't care i just don't want to pay very much and you know this is why this is why um investors do not like consulting firms, right? Oh, it's because okay. they're built on the fact that they, it's all high touch. And, you know, how do you extract more money out of consulting? Well, you can you can, pay your employees less, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, long-term is
0: going to degrade the quality of your consulting. Right. right. Uh, you mean, you I mean, can like hire... You can't, you can't cut costs by, like, cutting your employees' legs off, and then that cuts <laughs> you off by, like, Exactly.
1: Other- exactly. So, which is, you know it's a great business that has kind of a natural cap of how big it can get before it starts to fall under its own gravity. And maybe we're seeing that with IBM as, you know, as they, they've transitioned away from being a product company to becoming a, you know, global consulting firm. Um, And
0: those things just have kind of a natural cap of how big they can be. Mm. Yeah. See that, that, that's how it, that was, this kind of stuff was always a fun part of strategy for me, but then it's sort <laughs> of like, it's, it's, and, and, and it's um, paradoxical. That's what it is.
1: It, it is. It's, it's absolutely paradoxical. And, and, because- and
0: it's paradoxical in the sense of strategy where like, it all makes a lot of sense and you've seen it play over and over again. Right. Like these things that are unquantifiable. And then it's sort of like, but I couldn't really tell you, anything beyond what we just said <laughs> right? like, like i so, can't i can't really... something about
1: f-stop and yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's like so if if we all know as as a business right like like you you could you could imagine in uh in broadcom this happening right like they got all they got all the people together the board and whatever and they're like ah well let me make up another a company let's say let's say tony stark industries Ooh. right and uh, cause I'm looking at an Iron Man helmet and, and let's say Tony is like wasted somewhere. I guess he doesn't drink anymore, but you know, like he's, he's, he's distracted.
1: <laughs> no, spoilers, man. I haven't, I haven't watched the new Avengers.
0: <laughs> and I haven't seen that. And, and so, you know, the board gets together and they're like, ah, uh, you know, you know what the problem is, is we need to maintain a closer relationship with our customers. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a bad example because they sell weapons, but whatever. Let, <laughs> let, let's say, let's say the diversified holdings, Uh, do insurance. There's one I think a lot about. So in insurance, it's like, we need to have a better relationship with our customers because we only ever talk with our customers when they sign up with us and they want it as cheap as possible because it's a commodity basically. And we also talk to them when they want money from us. So it's like the worst type of child right? <laughs> you, you, you just see them initially. And, uh, you know, there's money exchange. And then they basically come to you when they want money. And you're trying good to like not give them the money. Right. And so so it's sort of like, and then therefore, you enter a a stupid insurance sort of market where like, people just go to like the web, and they find the cheapest thing. And they think like, oh, I saw that lady on TV, and the lizard kind of makes me feel good. But they're just like, mm, whatever, I just want cheap shit. And so, if you have a closer rela- relationship, maybe you can, like, translate that to something uh, mm-hmm. better. So, you say that to the board, and then they're like, all right, I love slide one. Made a great point. That's good. And then and then you go to slide two, and you're like, hmm, so, I'm going to need $10 million? <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's just, like, trickling that down to... Um, and, and and scaling it down, down is doing it at scale is difficult. Doing it at scale, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so it's hard at a at a corporate strategy level to say. So that's totally true, insurance people. So what we're going to do is, I only need two million dollars, and and we're going to set up a team. in over six month periods, we're going to figure out what to do. And they'll be like, "That sounds great. Why don't you bring in the next guy who wants to acquire something like?" And, <laughs> Like it, it's just a weird, it's hard, it's hard to translate those kind of strategy things down to actually doing something. And the next thing you know, you're trying to find cheap containers. Uh,
1: <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I, so, I mean, I, I think that is the, the, the tension is, you know, there's the being a commodity vendor doesn't have a, a natural cap, uh, but being a high touch vendor probably does because mm-hmm. it it's, it comes down to people
0: and relationships and those are, Hard to scale So that see, I don't know if this is true at all. But just to wrap it up and get on get on to wrapping up the the, the episode, that would be a fun sort of like follow on from the, uh, the the Fitzgerald Bill, Fitzgeraldian. Uh, I got to come up with a new name for it. Like barrier theory is that. And then the next thing that happens is that these three public cloud vendors convert what used to be high margin, high touch enterprise software into complete commodities. Like an operating system and again <laughs> they, I, don't, I don't know yeah. if that's, i don't know if that's true, but like those two like a shift like that in how the software business works would kind of like throw all these previous models into disarray right like then then you would have to reevaluate like oh, they're just going to repeat the holding company thing and neglecting stuff like it would be a completely different uh i don't know i don't know if it would be, but you need some kind of like how are things different now to kind of push that it's not going to all fall apart just like every other thing else does cyclically.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and, but, but you definitely see uh, the the public clouds guys are, are all ramping up their professional services and, Mm. and, you know, customer success teams and that kind of stuff, because
0: they know that they still need
1: that stuff. It's so alluring
0: too. To like, oh get, yeah, get, get some meat sacks in there who just like make everything work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And then it's yeah, like well, this exciting new revenue source that's growing for you and you get to do new <laughs> stuff. And, and, and then, then after a while you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. He's like, maybe we
1: could just outsource this public cloud to uh, HCL oh, yeah. in India mm-hmm. and we'll focus on our con- consulting.
0: Yeah. Oh, mm, that's good stuff. I think
1: we might be onto something.
0: Yeah, yeah. wow. Huh. Well- uh speaking of being on to something you're going to be at yes. a few conferences right you're going to be around at? <laughs> you're, you're going to be at the Cloud Expo in October Oh right? yeah I guess yeah? I, I need expo-izing? to
1: Yeah I need to buy myself some tickets or something
0: I'm going to be um, at DevOps Days Cape Town I think that's in September I mean I know in case any of them are listening, I know when it is. I just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't bought tickets for
1: any any of that travel yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I I will be uh, I'll be in Singapore again this month. Um, yeah, going there once a month right now. But uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be at Cloud Expo Asia, and uh, if I'm not there, I'll be at DevOps Day Sydney. I haven't uh, locked in either of those yet, but um, <sighs> it's. Uh, Trying to reduce my amount of travel uh, for for conferences, I spend a lot more time with customers because I love That's them so. Sweet. It's,
0: it's, it's it's high like touch. More time with your kids. It's like <laughs> the only thing better. It's just spend time. It's actually
1: the opposite of spending time with. Oh my oh, kids. but
0: I mean, it, it's sort of like you know, it it feels good. It feels uh, like, yes, like the, the real. Yes. Well, it there's also the- there's also some uh, job listings if you go to uh, the show notes at softwaretalk.com/slash. Oh, yeah. I forgot the episode number. What episode number is this? But. 186 I think Hmm. sounds good you know how you can look that up Matt Ray is if you were to let's say go to softwaredefinedtalk.com you could see all of the episodes we have listed and you could easily see that the last episode with your friend Nathan everyone's friend Nathan was episode 186 so therefore using the principles of math uh, this is episode 187 so if you wanted to see those jobs that people in the the little software defined talk world uh, have wanted to list, you would go to software defined com slash one eighty seven. There you go. There you go. Uh, and also speaking of that, you should join the Slack channel. You can also go to software defined com to find that out. Always, always lots of fun, lively stuff going on in there. It's growing, so with, growing weekly with that. What do you have to recommend this week, Matt? Uh, Ooh. Um,
1: so, uh, speaking of, you know, British mysteries and crime dramas, um, on, uh, on Amazon Prime, um, <laughs> uh, started watching a, a series called Endeavor. Um, it's, it's, uh, very PBS. Uh, you know, it's, uh, what do they call them? Um, Masterpiece uh, Theater? Masterpiece Mysteries. Oh, Masterpiece that's, Mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I have yet to watch this series, but there's a, a series called Inspector Morse. It's been mm-hmm. around forever on the old PBS, and this was a uh, um, 30 years before prequel of Morse when he's a young detective in
0: the swinging 60s. Oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um, I, I love it when there's like a, uh, would you call it a franchise or like a story world you're exactly. in? And then exactly. Exactly. Figure out some clever way to like extend it and uh, yeah. going to the younger days that that's that's a good one too I, and and the best part
1: is like i've never watched the older
0: days <laughs> oh, so now so, you're doing it in chronological order yeah so so all
1: the stuff is like um i bet this person shows up in the later series right oh, yeah. yeah and you're like there's like some mythology going on here it'd be like watching the star wars episodes in order and you know and you're like who is why why would I care about that minor character and like oh I bet they come in later
0: <laughs> and so ha, wh- what's your feeling on like the Sherlock Holmes reboots where they get like, Oh, I, I like them I, yeah. I, I, yeah I do like the 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 Sherlock uh reboot um, you know I I feel like maybe maybe I'm not paying attention but like why isn't there more like like direct Lovecraft stuff out there Like there was a, there was, I remember at one point, there was a couple year term where I like watched all the Lovecraft movies I could find. This is back Mm. when I would have to go to Vulcan video and I would get get DVDs from Netflix at that time too. You know, you do at the same time, but there was, there was actually more than I knew of, but like, like it's surprising. There's not like a TV show or something. Cause I don't know. Do you think it's just not adaptable to video? No,
1: I I think uh if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen now, right?
0: Uh there's yeah. there's I such mean, like Neil a Bill Gaiman has like a new show exactly. that he comes out.
1: Exactly. With. That that that's kind of my point is like now now's the time to start mining all those old
0: franchises.
1: Yeah. Um and
0: and you oh, yeah. know it's something like the copyright expires in five years, so all the studios are like, Hey guys, we didn't have this conversation, but let's just wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh probably
1: you know i mean as much as we all love uh love love horror there's probably a long tail there and they're just figuring out like how do we sell this can we get you know 10 million viewers of this yeah yeah. um but you know they made uh uh they made like the uh the, the terror miniseries and now they're doing a season two of that and like there wasn't a sequel to that book it's just a totally different horror anthology over like, you know, eight episodes or something. What, so, what is
0: the terror? I don't know what that is.
1: Oh, that was one of my picks um uh, multiple times. Um so mm. it was a I listen book. carefully. <laughs> You're like this is when I go get my coffee when Matt starts talking. Um no, the, the so, so the terror was a book in I don't know 2003, 2004 mm. um by uh Dan Simmons, who's a horror, um, horror science fiction author. And it was historical fiction about the HMS terror and the HMS Erebus They're Oh, uh, right, right,
0: right. Okay. They
1: were trying to find the Northwest Passage and they got stuck on the ice for two years. Yeah. Um, and they never found, well, actually after the book came out, uh, like two years ago, they found the ships, um, and they, you know, The assumption was cannibalism kicked in and, you know, something happened. And so in the book and miniseries, there's this, you know, uh, mythological, you know, creature that comes and visits them. And, you know, it's this 1870s horror on a frozen boat story. So if you like Lovecraft, this might be up your
0: alley. Yeah, Um, because there's like a whole universe you could just set up to do. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And and so and, AMC and, and made a mini series of it and yeah. it got really good ratings, even though it was like, it was grim as hell. Well, yeah. well you should recommend that sometime, Matt, right? <laughs> I'm recommending it again. Watch yeah. yourself some Endeavor. Go watch The Terror. Uh, season two, probably coming soon.
0: Yeah. And, and then, I mean, just to just to point out something that I subtly said, like, obviously, like Lovecraftian stuff permeates all horror stuff nowadays, pretty much oh, yeah. right? like just all, all the notions are. Uh, you know, the, the sort of like foundational, but what I mean is just like directly doing it, right? Like you could, you know, anyways, you could just spend all your time in new England and some random desert. It would, it would be like, it'd be like an Indiana Jones franchise or something. Anyhow, it's my given. recommendation. Uh, so I'm, like I said, I'm in uh, Eugene, Oregon takes a long time to get here from Amsterdam. Just, just in case you're wondering. Uh, but as, as, uh, I'm sure, well, you I, I assume you do this, Matt, but you know, you come over here and you just like load up on, uh, stuff. And one of the things I wanted to recommend, uh, maybe, maybe if, uh, uh, you're, you're a European coming over here, there's this store called old Navy. And, uh, <laughs> th- what old Navy does is they have dirt cheap clothes that are all in-house labels. And they, they're no. all like, they're all like, uh, You know, you remember an idiocracy where they can just like pull clothes out of the wall, like their sport track stuff. (laughs) Like it's kind of the the equivalent of that, which like I don't shop there. Well, I actually bought some boxer shorts because, you know, you buy commodity clothes there. And I feel like there are no clothes, more commodity than clothes for kids because they get them rip them up. They grow up. So it has a very small shelf life. So I bought a lot of kids clothes at Old Navy and they were so cheap. Like it was insane how cheap they were. They don't have little alligators on them or like, you know, United Colors of Benetton or anything or, uh, but they, and then you know, they also don't say like Levi's on them. Although I could have gotten some that just say California, the Europeans, mm. love that. they love shirts that say California, things like that. Uh, but yeah, you should just go there, buy clothes for your kids there. Cheap yeah. shit. Cheap shit. Yeah. Well, That's what I got for this week, as far as recommendations (laughs) go. I got some movies to go watch. And uh, if anyone's interested in Lovecraft adaptations, you should call me and Matt up. We'll uh, We'll get some ideas. we have ideas, no problem. We'll come up with something. So, uh, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. Uh, As mentioned earlier, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can see this episode and all the previous ones. Join the Slack channel, all that kind of stuff. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. bye -bye. Bye-bye.